Welcome to another episode of Thank You Moms podcast. My name is Anne. I'm the host for the show. On this podcast, I go around interviewing regular moms out there so they can share their life stories. On this episode, I welcomed guest S. Before the interview, I gave her a rough outline so she can get started organizing her memories and thoughts. But during the interview, she mentioned she didn't even have to look at her outline. And that was nice to hear. So, for those of you out there who are a little nervous to come on the show, just think of it as a conversation. And it's my job to make you feel comfortable so you can have a good time. Okay, let's get right into the interview. Thank you so much, S, for coming here today. It's nice to be here. How are you doing today? Doing fine. I'm glad it's springtime and hopefully toward the end of the pandemic, we'll see. Right, after the vaccines are out. Right, my husband and I both have ours, so we're feeling pretty fortunate right now. Oh, okay. Did you have any side effects from taking the vaccines? Uh, After the second one, we were both, you know, feeling kind of achy and sick for a day, but but uh, certainly nothing to worry about. Okay, so like normal sickness, you got over right. it quickly? Okay, that's good. Yes. Have you told your kids about your stories in the past before? Yes, actually, um, of course, I don't know how much they actually remember. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but I've, uh, both my husband and I have, have told them lots of stories about our, our growing up years and um, and what that was like. Um, so, uh, like I said, I don't know how much they remember, but it was going going over thinking about this interview. It was kind of interesting, all the things that came up in my mind, because you know many of these things I hadn't thought about in a long time. So, I, so I, it stimulated some things that um, that were pretty interesting even to me. Good, good. Well, hopefully, you know, we can get more new stories even for the kids to hear. If you don't mind me asking, how old are you right now? You don't have to give me exact number. You can just say early 50s. Oh, I, I don't mind. I, <laughs> I'm i 67. Okay. And my husband and I got started really late on a family. I, when we got married, I was 38. No, when we got married, I was 36. I had my first child, my daughter at 38, and my second one at 40. Wow. So we, yeah, we got a late start. So here we are in our late 60s, and our children are still in their 20s, which is kind of unusual. Oh, well, it's, you know, my dad is in his 70s, and I'm, you know, late 20s, so. <laughs> right. <laughs> It's becoming a little more usual these days. Yeah. It. Well, let's hear from the very beginning how you grew up. Sure. Um, I grew up in Virginia in the, the northwestern part of the state in a rural mountainous area. And um, my father was a family physician. And the reason we were there was because they desperately needed a doctor in that area and he wanted to serve where he was most needed. So that's where we ended up uh, for our you know, formula, formative years. 
I was the youngest of five children. So, um, you know, my two brothers, two older brothers, and then two sisters, and then me. So they, they were really good at charting the path for me, you know. <laughs> um, and my mother, uh, she, she managed the household. You know, she had five children in 10 years. Um, she grew our food in three large vegetable gardens that we were all pressed into service to help with. <laughs> she made sure we all did our chores and we were not all, always really grateful about, about all the chores, things we had. Uh -huh. <laughs> but, <clears throat> but now I look back at it and I think, boy, we were, we were really lucky kids. You know, my, my father built a little hospital, which we called the clinic, um, right next door to our house. And so he commuted down the sidewalk to work. And since we were in a, that was in the late fifties and early sixties. And um, he was an old fashioned doctor, <clears throat> excuse me. It's a spring allergies getting to me here. Oh yeah. <laughs> he was an old fashioned doctor. He did house calls. He delivered babies right there in the in the clinic. He did minor surgeries. He had a staff who lived upstairs in that in that little hospital. And so it was it was quite a production. It's you know things just aren't done like that anymore. Um, and my mother uh, had us kids in the gardens and and uh, we produced food for our family of seven. The, the clinic staff, the inpatients, uh, when, when there were inpatients, there were two patient rooms. And um, that's, that's how we grew up. You know, <laughs> every summer we were pressed into service to, you know, help with planting, weeding, harvesting, preserving all the food we could for the winter. We picked strawberries and shelled peas in the summer. We hoed corn in the, in the, I mean, in the spring, we hoed corn in the summer. Um, it was quite a production. And having the clinic close by, so you were able to sort of visit and see your dad from time to time. Did you have a lot of memories seeing him? Well, <laughs> they, they, tried to, they tried to keep us out of there as best they could. Oh. You know, that was a professional place <laughs> and we were we were right next door so we saw him plenty you know he would just walk across for lunch and um uh, and when he wasn't working he was always working outside in the yard that was his his uh, recreation you know plant, he planted a little orchard and that was good for him to be able to do and then um eventually it got it got too much for both of them you know because it was such a huge production and they were growing older and um, so they they sold the, the place to a younger doctor with a younger family and uh, we moved to a, a town nearby still lived in the country but but outside of town and uh, he joined a practice with 
uh, several other doctors, so he wasn't on call quite all the time. It was a little easier to manage. And these stories you remember vividly, or is it is this something that you've heard from your mom? I remember it vividly. I, we moved away from there when I was, I think, 12. So, oh, okay. So all those growing up years were, were there. Uh, we went to the uh, elementary school that was there in the area, and um, and we retained a, a part of that property that we sold to the new doctor. So we still have some space that we go there and spend time and meet as a family and that type of thing. So uh, the properties you know, next to a mountain, you know, we, we have such wonderful memories growing up in the country, uh, hearing the bird song in the morning, so many things, seeing the stars at night because there were no city lights and the sky would just be crammed with stars and night sounds. I remember my father would take us out at night and, and shine a powerful spotlight as a pointer up into the sky and talk about the Milky Way and the constellations. And, um, and my mother knew so much about plants. We, we knew about the trees and all the plants that were on the property. It was just, that was a huge influence in my life because, you know, I still like all those things. And when we all grew up and went to high school and college in the, the town that we moved to, um, and soon after that, I moved to a major metropolitan area. And, um, but I never forgot that, you know, wonderful feeling of just living in, a, in the country, in the rural area. And this past June, my husband and I are both retired. Congratulations. And moved to a rural area, which is a very similar to set, setting to the one that we grew up in. And uh, we're building a house there and we're gonna plant a garden and maybe have some chickens and, and uh, he's going to grow some crop. He grew up on a farm in, in another state. Um, so we're, we've sort of come full circle and we're, we're really enjoying that. That's very cool. Now, when you moved to metropolitan area, was that difficult to adjust or was it stressful in the first few years? Well, I, I, at that point, I was ready to get out of town. Oh, <laughs> my, my, my uh, two older brothers and sisters all stayed in the area, but I, I just always felt like, you know, there's so much to the world. I got to go somewhere and try something else out, you know? So, um, so I moved, I, uh, tried out a bunch of different careers, you know, got a lot of friends through all these different jobs and, and, um, sang in a, a choral group for um, a number of years. And, and that's how I met my husband, who is a, a professional musician. And um, eventually we got married. How long were you in a relationship with your husband before getting married? 
It was several years. Okay. Uh, even even though we were in our late thirties, we we weren't in a big hurry. But but you know, I knew I knew I wanted to have children, so now you weren't in a hurry because you had a career that you wanted to sort of pursue or was it something else you just were waiting for the right timing well uh, we were waiting for the right timing but actually i i knew that that i was getting older and wanted to have children he wasn't in as much in a hurry <laughs> right well i mean that's always the case right? it seems to be but no, I wasn't in a, I never had a major career in any one field. You know, I got a, a college degree, undergraduate degree in psychology, but, but really that's just sort of a general degree. There's not much you can do with that without a, a graduate degree. Um, so I just went and got jobs that interested in me. So I was in uh, outside sales, you know, selling um, computer supplies and office supplies to companies and the federal government. And um, then I, I wanted to be in, in the travel industry, so I became a travel agent. And uh, I was doing that when um, we got married and had children. Um, and then later I, I worked for a real estate agent and got my license in real estate when the kids were in school. So it was just, it was kind of whatever was a, the thing that I was interested in at the time, that's just what I found a way to do. Um, but what happens when you do that is you, you never make a lot of money. <laughs> so I, I never got rich sort of following my impulses. But at least you didn't get bored with your job. You always pursued something That's that true. you were interested in. Most right? of them were about five years. That's still long, I feel, in today's world. <laughs> I mean, the, the areas were maybe five years. Areas. Um, but then um, when my kids were in high school, in the, the local high school where we lived, I... Um, volunteered a lot in their, well, in all their schools. I volunteered in the um, activities they were involved in. And, um, you know, I got to, to know people in the school and uh, eventually I ended up working there. So I worked a couple of years as a testing assistant and then um, the last six years I Worked in the main office as an administrative assistant to one of the uh, one of the principals, and um, so and part of it was when my kids were there as well. Um, but then after they left and went to college, that's where I I kept working, and that's where I retired from. Okay, very nice. Well, let me reel back to when you had your kids. Oh yeah. So tell me about your late pregnancy. Was there any complication? Like how, how was that like? Yeah. Um, well, I had a, a pregnancy that, that miscarried, you know, after we were married and, um, 
And after that, you know, I didn't take anything quite as for granted. It was like, oh, you know, there, there may be issues. So when I got pregnant again with my daughter, I, um, I was a little more apprehensive, but everything went fine. <laughs> and then she was born and, um, you know, I was, I was a, a travel agent at that time. And I took a look at that little baby and I, I realized, you know, I really don't want to go back to that job. I just, I want to care for this little person that we brought into the world. And um, so my husband and I were able to work it out that I was able to do that until my youngest, my second child was in kindergarten. So for those years, those early years, I was able to be with them. And I'm so grateful that we were able to do that. You know, a lot of people can't, you know, they need to work maybe two or three jobs just to, to be able to support their families. Right. And um, so I'm always grateful that I had those early years with my little kids. When you had your son, mm -hmm. that pregnancy went smoothly as that well? That went fine as well. Wow. It was funny. I always tell them that you know, my first, first baby, my little girl, was <laughs> like six pounder and and then my son when he was born two and a half years later he was nine pounds oh that wow was, <laughs> it, was, it was a different experience it was like i held him and i went oh my goodness this this child is i mean i really feel like i'm holding on to something yeah <laughs> so um but then i took my little boy home and I had a toddler, two and a half year old, and uh, boy, that changed things right there. You know, was when, when I was home with both of them, it was two against one. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. It's a different experience. You know, I would be frustrating him and, and that's when she would do something mischievous. Yeah sort of get into trouble to get my attention but um and, and of course she was everything that i did with her and took her to he went along so it seemed like we were a lot more in the car than we were when when she was a baby how was your relationship with your husband during those early motherhood stage I remember uh, when my son was born and he was an infant and my daughter was uh, was just two and a half. Um, but those were sometimes some hard times just just because it was it could be kind of overwhelming. And my husband had you know taken on some extra things to make it possible for me to stay at home. so, he was being a musician and then some other things that he was doing to bring in income kept him away some evenings and uh, so i just had this memory of standing in the kitchen one evening and my daughter was needing something my baby was crying and and i was trying to to cook dinner for all four of us 
and I went, you know, how, how do people do this? Why are you so overwhelmed? <laughs> uh, but, uh, but you know, my, my husband, when he was there, he was just, he always had our backs. He was supportive. He would just see things that needed to be done and do them. Um, and I'm so grateful for that because that's not the experience of a lot of women. So he was just all in with the kids, with laundry, with kitchen cleanup, you know, whatever that he saw needed to be done. He just did it. That's great. And, uh, and then eventually, uh, when it turned out they were both really interested in music also, he was a wonderful mentor for them because he was a professional musician mm. and um, just very supportive. I, it's, you know, of course we have hard times like every couple, but I have no complaints. Were you close to your mom? Were you able to talk to her, get advice from her, or did you try to handle everything on your own and then talk to your husband perhaps during those hard times? Yeah, you know, uh, when my kids were small, my parents were already elderly because um, I was born when my mother was almost 40 because I was the, the last one. Oh, right. <laughs> the last right. one of the five. And um, so she and my dad were and then I waited so long to have kids that they were older, quite older grandparents when, when my kids were born. So they were, and also my husband's parents, it's sort of the same thing. So none of them were able to come and help and, you know, like mothers tend to do when, when their kids have children um, because they had their own issues already. Um, and at, at that time I thought, boy, I wish I hadn't left Harrisonburg because if I was still living there, my sisters would be able to, to help me, you know? Uh, so we felt a little alone with it all, but, uh, of course we had friends that were going through similar things too. So, um, so it worked out okay. Yeah. At least. I feel like without that outlet or any sort of way to talk to someone, it must be so difficult, especially when you're at home by yourself and, you know, raising two kids. I can't imagine going through that without that support. Yeah, we had, we had good support just because, you know, it was a, it was a team effort with my husband and I, and, um, and also as, as soon as my kids started getting into some little preschool activities, I we developed friends that you know had had kids the same age, and those people, a lot of them are best friends even to this day. Oh, well, that's great. you know we've you know watched watched those kids grow up, and it's been so much fun to see what they decide to do and what they turn out to be. Yeah. 
Okay, so you mentioned you wanted to talk about another significant event in your life growing up. Yes, I, I talked about one that um, just living in that rural setting surrounded by nature, I think really shaped who I was the most. But um, there was, when I was in second grade, um, I developed measles. This was before a measles vaccine. Oh. I, I got very ill and got better, went back to school, developed complications and ended up just being out of school for several months to, to the end of the school year. And um, what, you know, I, I had good care, of course, my dad was a doctor, but, um, but what that did was I just started to read everything in sight. I think I read every book in the house, whether it was appropriate for a second grader or not. <laughs> every Everything that came in the mail, every magazine. I remember watching for the, the children's little magazine that we got once a week called the Weekly Reader. And um, I just spent that time reading books and anything I could find. And that, I think, shaped me tremendously for uh, for the rest of my life because I still do I still read read books I still am just interested in learning all kinds of inf interesting information from things that I read so it doesn't have to be novels it's nonfiction it's just gaining information through reading and now you know listening to podcasts and, and, um, and books uh, that I can download. That's, that's become a wonderful um, thing to do. So wherever I am, I'm happy if I have some kind of information to download or something to read. So that experience in second grade just really shaped my future. Were you an active child before getting the measles? And you didn't really read before that, and then because of that experience, you got interested in it. Or well, you know, I was a I was a new reader. I was only in second grade, um, but I I had always liked reading, you know. Um, but uh, but I'd never spent so much time. Um, I think uh, when I was then after that, my parents were a little frustrating because I would, I would always be hiding somewhere reading instead of doing the chores I was supposed to be doing. But at least you got a little pass, right? Because you had the measles. <laughs> well, I did, but that didn't carry over into the next 10 years, oh. you know? <laughs> oh, I see, I see. So it, because it continued on. But the reading carried over. <laughs> But hey, you know, it, it helps you with your intelligence. Reading is, reading is huge. And our, our parents read to us, too, at night. Um, and I carried that over to when I had children. Um, one of my favorite things to do was to read to them, you know, starting right from birth. Because there's so many wonderful books out for children. Um, so we had always had lots of books around and we'd cuddle up at night and 
read some books and sing some lullabies and that I always love that evening time I guess it's I mean that night time you know before bedtime um, because you know it reminded me of the way I grew up as well so that, that was really sweet yeah that must have been a nice memory for your kids too I think so you know I hope so <laughs> <laughs> Any other challenges or experiences um, growing up? Uh, you know, that was a, the main thing that sounds out, stands out. Um, well, actually, uh, when I was 13, uh, during that transition from the, the place where we grew up and then the other town where we went to high school, um, my father decided that it would be nice to do some service overseas as a doctor so we ended up going to nigeria or it was just going to be and this was just my parents and my two sisters and i because my brothers were already grown-ups and we were we were still teenagers and so they took us out of school and we moved to Nigeria. It was supposed to be just six months um, to to work in a bush hospital for my dad to work in a bush hospital. And um, we were my two older sisters were on correspondence courses to you know continue their classes. Um, I was in seventh grade, so they just said, "Take your math and English book with you." And, so, um, and they, when we were arrived at this little hospital in the eastern part of Nigeria, um, we started hearing about unsettling political things going on in, in the country. Uh, we were supposed to be there for six months. We ended up only be, being there for two because a war broke out. And the area of the country that we were in seceded from the rest of the country and became Biafra. This was in 1967. Um, so it, it was, we found ourselves in the middle of a bad situation. The, the U.S. sent planes in to, to evacuate all women and children from the United States. So, you know, people who were there as missionaries or as um, working for U.S. companies, they all got sent out and um, then we waited for my dad to come home and that was that was a very challenging time, you know, because we were worried the whole time. Um, and he uh, eventually came out on a barge across the Niagara River and <laughs> got a plane from the, uh, another area of Nigeria and got home, um, but it was a it was a challenging time. That's huge! How we almost missed that story. That... Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness! It, it was huge, and you know what it did for for us, for all of us who were there, was um, you know we we saw what happens during wars. We saw, I mean, it was terrible. Um, the children in, in that area of 
Biafra uh, were starving. There, were, there wasn't food. The country was blockaded. It was, they were in dire straits. But, and we were at home, you know, reading about it, listening to the news, just being worried. Um, so we saw what happens in wars. We saw how other people live who don't have the advantages that we have here in the States. Um, it was it, such an eye-opening experience. I bet. Yeah. And that really, really shaped the way we thought from, from then on out. So, um, you know, even though it was very challenging at the time, it was, uh, it was not something that I would exchange or want to not have happened to us. So when you originally heard, or not heard, but when your parents decided to move to Nigeria for a little bit, were you scared? Were you excited? Were you worried? Well, you know, we were teenagers. Right, right. <laughs> we, we went kicking and screaming, not literally. <laughs> we, you know, we, we wanted to be at home doing teenage things, you know, and, and chasing boys, not chasing my, my dad's dream, you know? <laughs> mm -hmm. but, but we didn't really have a choice, you know, we were, were going to leave us home alone. And, and uh, it turned out to be, you know, an incredible experience in a lot of ways. I mean, just even visiting a new country and you see the cultural difference, that's shocking to me enough, but yeah. to go into extremely different environment at that age, I can't imagine how shocking that was. Yeah. And seeing it firsthand. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that whole experience was, like I said, eye-opening and informative. Now, after that experience, did that sort of strike any interest in traveling and seeing different countries, parts of the, the U.S., anything like that? Uh, tremendously, on my part especially. Uh, I, I thought, I just want to see more of the world, and I, every time I had a chance, I took it. When I was in college, there was a... Uh, the chance to spend a term in Europe. I took that chance. I uh, did a, uh, a summer term in Mexico. Um, and, you know, as, as an adult, I, I did some more traveling as well. Went to Brazil on a chorus tour. Um, and it, it, just, it just really whetted my appetite for seeing more of the world, seeing how other people live. Um, but more than that, it, it made me appreciate the diversity of the people around me. Um, and that's, uh, what we also tried to pass on to our kids was that, you know, people are different and let's celebrate it. They ended up going to, um, to one of the most diverse high schools in the state of Virginia. 
there were people there from all over the world, um, probably 40 some languages were spoken in those homes. And so they had all of that around them when they were, when they were going to school, they had friends and all their activities that were from different parts of the world. And, um, you know, and this, it was not a wealthy high school either. It was a diverse as far as income as well. So they learned a lot from that. It was like going to school was like traveling. Mm -hmm. I mean, honestly, we needed to hear that, especially nowadays. Yes, yes. And they, they both have talked about how uh, grateful they are that they had that experience. Because when they went to other states for college, then it was actually less diverse. And there were colleges than it was in the schools that they went to growing up. So I was glad that, that they had that kind of viewpoint. Absolutely. We've always tried, tried to model, you know, be, to be very receptive to other people's uh, cultural backgrounds ethnicities, religions, um, you know, there, there is not one way to believe. There are all kinds of ways to believe and be. And they agree with that, you know, and that, that makes me happy. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you again for sharing that story. And now looking at today, present time, um, are there any uh, memories with your kids that stand out to you? Yes, I mean, that's, it's so hard to pick some out. There are so many, <laughs> so many. I think one thing that really struck me when they were born was that each of those kids came into the world with a distinct personality right from the beginning. And, uh, you know, I know that's the way with every single person who was born, but it, it had never become so clear <laughs> until I had my own. Um, you know, my, my daughter was, um, she was always, she liked to be in groups, doing group things with her friends and, and uh, that was evident right from the beginning. Um, and another thing that I always noticed about her was that, that she liked teaching. So if she was any, any kind of like dance class or, or, uh, orchestra or theater, she would be helping the other kids, the other younger kids, because she just enjoyed being in that role. And, uh, then when she grew up, she was... She was a wonderful musician, but uh, performance-wise, but uh, what she really liked to do was teach, and that's what she is, a teacher. So, so it, just, it was just evident from the beginning. And um, my son, he was a little more shy. He, he charged his batteries from just hanging out at home, you know. He, left up to him you know he didn't have to have a birthday party he didn't he just <laughs> was happy to be to be with us 
of course he he was in lots of activities but uh but he didn't necessarily uh seek out groups of people and uh he also became a wonderful musician and um but he went into performance and so you think well why would a, a shy kid you know when he was little he was shy why would a shy kid go into performance and because you know you perform in front of audiences and and with lots of people um but i think the answer to that, to that is that performance is really kind of a a solitary experience because of all the hours of practice you have to put in by yourself to get good on your instrument um so in that way it, it just suits it really well <laughs> so um and you know all, all that was evident right from the beginning as well um they just had their own wonderful personalities and you know i i watched them you know develop from babies to toddlers to uh, elementary school and um every every stage was i i liked better than the one before you know a lot of mothers say well, i really miss those sweet little babies cuz they didn't talk back to you you know <laughs> right right <laughs> and and they were just so sweet but i never felt that way i i just felt like oh this is a wonderful new age let's see what this is like i really and i'm enjoying what they're doing now or not liking what they're doing now but i know it's a stage so we'll just we'll just move forward here and and that was always the case i think it's it's very nice that you're you have that accepting perspective and i'm sure that really helped your kids grow freely and be themselves right and then they just developed into such wonderful young adults um they're just they're both funny and smart and just fun to be around and uh you know, we it just continue to enjoy them and and uh, see what they're doing next and and you know what kids mainly need is unconditional love and support and they they will grow and flourish mhm absolutely it's it's not a you know people all over the world do it <laughs> mhm so you don't have grandkids at the moment correct no okay right. so now imagine when your daughter or your son are becoming a parent what kind of advice would you be would you give to your kids well i'll tell you what i think about giving advice to my kids i think that i shouldn't give it unless i'm specifically asked for it mm. to step back and watch if they ask is they ask me for some advice I'll, i'll you know i'll tell them what i think but uh you know they're they're doing quite well i know they'll figure it out just fine you know each uh each generation parents 
differently and different people parent differently. And who am I to say what works for them or for their kids? So, you know, if either of them ever have kids, I'm just going to love those kids and think they're great, you know, however they bring them up. If they want my support, I will be there. Otherwise, I'll just love those kids and make sure they know it. That's amazing. So you're not going to be the nosy mother. <laughs> no, no, indeed. I am not. <laughs> like you do you. And I think, I think uh, either one of them will be a wonderful parent if it, when that time comes. Okay, great. Well, thank you again so much for being here today, S. Well, thank you for uh, taking the time to do this. I'm, I've really enjoyed these things that have come up in my mind since since you've asked me to do this. So thank you. I, I appreciate it. Okay, that's it for this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. For any moms out there who would like to come on this podcast and share their stories, or any kids who would like to hear their mom's stories, contact M at thankyoumomspodcast at gmail.com. Again, thankyoumomspodcast at gmail.com. All you need is a phone or a computer and headphones with a microphone. And it's simple as that. So let me know if you are interested. I hope you have a wonderful day or evening, depending on where you are. And I will see you at the next episode.